From 11FS, I'm Sam Mall, and this is Connection Interrupted. Connection Interrupted is a weekly show focusing on individuals across all walks of life whose plans and journeys were interrupted, disconnected, or rerouted. These are their stories told in their words of the obstacles they faced, the challenges they overcame, and the role technology played both as an instigator and as an instrument for positive growth and change in their lives. Today, I'm speaking with three tech founders. They are Jane Barrett, the CEO and founder of Goldbeam, Laura Spikerman, the co-founder of Alloy, and Gisha Hess, the founder of Dreamers, Doers, and Trailblazer Ventures. Each is a successful company founder, an outstanding and brilliant business leader and mentor, and each, regrettably, has been exposed to sexual harassment and demeaning bro culture of Silicon Valley and Silicon Alley. This is their story. So what I find interesting about all three of you, right? So I got three founders of companies. When was the first time you founded a company, Jane? Four years ago. Okay, so fairly new. But you've been like a CEO. Oh, yeah. No, I was corporate girl. Corporate girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but corporate girl in the U.S., Hong Kong. Singapore, Singapore. Malaysia, Australia. Okay. Because your accent, you know, you might not get from here. Yes, I'm definitely not from here. But I've been here long enough. I've been here 14 years now. Well, you're a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I'm in New York at that Because like, you live, like, how far from here? We just talked about that. Eight minutes. Away. Eight minutes from a recording. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ride on a bike? I rode a city bike everywhere. It's the best way around town. I love you even more <laughs> now. It's like you arrive alive and you feel great. Okay. <laughs> That's it's, right. You are That's so right. Australian. All right. So, so you and from a marketing standpoint, right? Correct. I used to run digital marketing and advertising agencies. So you've been in the business a, a long time. That's a nice way to put it. 20 plus years. Okay. And, and Laura? Yes. All right. So you grew up in Berkeley. Right? I did. If you didn't guess, Jane, you grew up in Australia? Australia. Correct. Okay. But Australia to what? Hong Kong? Australia to Malaysia. What part of Malaysia? Um, Kuala Lumpur. Okay. Gisha, I told you you're going to have a lot of overlaps, <laughs> which is scary. All right. So Laura, you grew up in Berkeley. I did. But then went to school in New York. I did. That's right. Okay. Yeah. You studied political science. You're supposed to be a lawyer. Yes. But I still like you. You didn't become, <laughs> didn't a, become lawyer. a lawyer. Yeah. What what set what uh, segued you out of law? What experience? Um, moving to Nairobi, Kenya, segued me out. Um, where I, I became interested in mobile banking um, that was happening there. Sort of 2010 was when M-Pesa had flourished there. So money to money, person to person transfer over mobile phones through the telco system, not through the banking system. Um, and was very interested in, in sort of the mobile ecosystem and what was happening. And I moved there to be the first employee at a, at a startup there. Copa, Copa, Copo, 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 Copo. So skip law school to move to Nairobi, yeah. which your parents in Berkeley were thrilled with. Okay. We'll move past <laughs> that. All right. So that cool experience. Yeah. yeah. All right. So from Jane to Laura to Gisha. Hi. <laughs> and Gisha, you grew up in... I was where? born in Africa, um, Swaziland. Adapted development either. They moved from Africa to Germany, Malaysia, Singapore, Germany, Beijing. They went to college in Hong Kong, been in New York for nearly 10 years. Okay. So, good God, that's mm, all yes. we'll, we'll say. But a little bit of literally everything. And I, and I didn't know, and I've looked at this and researched you, why did you grow up in Africa? What were your parents yeah, doing? Yeah, my dad um, worked for the German government, so there specifically he helped out in the finance ministry. Okay, that's the part that threw me. I couldn't figure out why you, you grew up there. What was it like, by the way, growing up there? I mean, I moved away from Africa when I was three, so I don't remember as much from Africa. So did you go to Malaysia for that, or when? To Germany, then to Malaysia. And all the countries were a bit different depending on what age you were there. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. when you were in Malaysia, at an older age is very different than a younger age, especially as a woman, I'd say. How many languages, out of curiosity, do you speak? Two and a half. Just a full German is my mother tongue, English, um, conversational Mandarin, and I studied French for a long time. Because you studied in, in China, right? In yes. college? Yes, and I'm half Chinese too. I speak like a little American. I got Australian, Canadian, English, there you go. American. Yeah. I can nail them all. But you and Laura know each other. Correct. We do. 
So as a matter of fact, Laura, I've interviewed you before for the Femtech Leaders Program. Yeah. I said, who do you admire? And you said, Jane. I did. I think that's how I met you. As a matter of fact, really? this Laura oh, through your hands. Right. Oh, oh. I now I found out about, about Geisha through uh, Mike Dudas. Oh, of all things on oh, Twitter. Oh, yes. Yeah. We connected on Twitter. This is the first time we're meeting. In yeah. So what happened was um, a few years back. So, so again, before we dive into that, all three of you are founders of companies. Successful, by the way, founders. Of, you are, Laura. Quit making a face. No, it's not TBD. Alloy is going to kill it. Each of you are a founder of a company. Two of you in the fintech space. Um, Gisha, I mean, how would you describe? Yes. I mean, and I was in finance before. I was an right. investor for five years at a hedge fund. And now I run a company that advances a lot of female founders and their companies. Dreamers and doers. Yes. Right. So, so all of you, again, very successful. All of you in New York, which is fascinating. When you think about your journeys, right? I mean, <laughs> born in Africa, born in Australia, born in Berkeley. Berkeley's cool. We're just going to go with that. Okay. I'm from Detroit. All three of you have a much cooler background than I do. But the idea that all of you come from that diverse background but end up in Manhattan, right, and, and, and working in, and founding companies in the day and age that we are right now. But here's kind of somewhat the common link. So, Gisha, I, I learned about you through a Twitter post, actually, by Mike Dudas. And it was back when you wrote your Medium post, which um, one event does not define anyone's career or life story. I keep telling my kids that. So, so Jane and I, we have kids, right? You have three. Sorry. I have four. Um, why are you looking at me like that? It's okay to have four. I have a grandkid, man. I mean, Grace, I love you. You're the coolest thing Aww. ever. So I have three daughters, a granddaughter and a son. Um, and I tell them this constantly, you're not defined by one moment of your life, right? So don't, don't get hung up on that, but you need to learn from each and every one of those those moments and, and, and you're as a whole, you're defined by those moments. So Geisha, the first time I had read about you and heard about you was actually the medium post that you wrote that Mike had, had, um, Mike dude has to love you, Mike. Yeah. Thanks um, for sharing that Mike. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so let, let's drill in a little bit on that if you don't mind. And, and we're not going to spend all our time just on that story, but can you kind of share Yes. what made you do one? What was the event? And then how did you go about writing the story? Yes. So, about three years ago, I was in Europe. I was um, interviewing for a CEO position and went to a tech conference, met, made an, met an angel investor after a 20-minute conversation, um, exchanged business cards. The same evening, I get an email from him, and the subject line said, I like you a lot. And the email said, hey, G, I will not leave Berlin until I have sex with you. Deal question mark. Include a profes his professional link at the bottom. I first thought it was my fault. I, I smile a lot. I'm usually pretty friendly. Then I found out the next day he sent exactly the same email to another woman. And over a course of several weeks, the story became public to a point where it was viral, like world news, which is kind of nuts. It was one email and it was very polarizing. A lot of people thought I was a hero. A lot of people thought I was absolute scum. And I don't think either necessarily applies. Like it, it felt weird saying no, because it implied I would have done something wrong. And I actually tried to cover up his name, but the reporter had found it out the name already. And prior, while I was working as an investor, I had a similar incident happen to me for an entire year. And when it finally came out, it was actually another man who was like, why didn't you say anything? Like it's, So it was a lot of chain reactions that happened. And I didn't know the second story. I knew the first yeah. one because I read the Medium post. Um, and how did how did you come to the, to the point to actually write that? Because one of the things yeah. is interesting because you have, you have some great videos out there on YouTube. And one of them, you say something that's actually me, which is you're an extrovert that's an introvert. Love that you watch those videos. <laughs> I watch. I actually, I actually do research before I do these. But you did. You said yes, I'm a. Yes. I'm actually an, an extrovert introvert. Yes. Which I would agree with. I'm like that. So how did you get to the point where you said I'm going to write yes. about this? I mean, that came out after it was viral news already. So I, I put down. I put the recap together because. There's so many articles from all over the world covering this, and I wanted to have a more thorough rundown of the actual story. So at that point, the cat was out of the bag. That's what led to the Medium article specifically. Okay. So, so Jane, I'm curious when you hear something like that, because you're like, we, we, we both... You look way better than I do. You just keep referencing do. how old Yeah, I know, because Jane and I are <laughs> so friends. Like I came in on my We're experienced. <laughs> yeah. she, she came in on her city bike is what she came in on. She rode her bike here. But, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, and this isn't new, right? I mean, no, it's it, been going this, on forever. 
Yeah, and it has. So you've seen this, and you're very successful. Again, you've been a COO, a CEO, your board director. Take your pick. Um, basically, you don't mess with Jane. I think it's a safe thing to say. I mean, people still do. Really? Still, like, I'm like, I'm a thousand years. And then regret it. I like that. (laughs) It's even not that. I mean, at some point, it's just, you can can deal with it in the moment, and you have to move on. Because, as you found out, it's the repercussions for saying anything are extraordinarily distracting. It's, um, it becomes your story. Yes. I can it defines that. you. Yeah. I mean, there was actually a Facebook page um, that I read about. I just found this out today. I didn't know this. Which After this came out, look at the face. Yeah. We need to video these. But the Facebook page was disgusting. Yeah. So that, um, so in terms of the aftermath, um, one of the hardest things was to, yeah, reading people's comments. But then there was a Facebook page that said, I want to have sex with Geisha Haas. And they pulled oh my pictures God. from my personal Facebook yeah. profile and they photoshopped um, on my fiance's face the face of the person that sent me the email yeah. and they put up new content consistently and Facebook wouldn't take it down because they said at that point I was um, a public figure <gasps> but so many people emailed that it took it down within a week but I've heard other examples where it took half a year so when when people come out yeah. and say well you know what why don't you report this when it happened oh <laughs> this is what this is what happens I mean it is from minor annoyances into genuine life-threatening situations and you never know what you're walking into and I love that in the past I would say five years more stories more and more have come out but it's still a risk every single time it's a massive risk and you know there isn't really any equivalency around just I don't know a thread that says don't be a fucking asshole don't be a jerk don't hit on women the rules aren't that hard it's not that fucking hard it really and that's I think that's where I get frustrated um from um for those listeners that can't tell I'm a guy you know (laughs) deep falsetto um and that I've been in banking I've been around tech for a long time so I started um with some friends a, a interview series called Fintech Leaders. And I was able to interview Jane. I was interview, able to interview um, Laura and, oh God, I don't know, like 300. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Of women in, a, across the space. Because it was actually funny because I got frustrated because we were talking about conferences. We were talking about women in tech. And um, so I, we, were just, we were listing people on Twitter who you should follow. And I listed 10 women in a row, not in by intent. It was just us going through my LinkedIn and saying, this person's really good, this person's really good, this person's really good. And somebody said, wow, you just listed 10 women in a row in fintech. You deserve a lifetime achievement award. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's hundreds, right? And I said, we could start a list. And I started a hashtag called Fintech 100. And I then got hit up by every conference organizer and recruiter to say, can I see the list? And my comment always back to him was, it's not that hard. Yeah, do the I research. Mean, <laughs> it's not even do the research. I mean, take five minutes yeah. and you can put together a list of literally thousands of, of women founders. I think that's the, I mean, do you disagree? I think no, that's a I misconception. Think also, as soon as you ask a woman, she'll find five other women. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's really But easy. also you get, you tend to get asked that a lot and it is such the cop out because that's fair, yeah. all of that is published many times. Again, media is very good at getting the lists. And then when someone says, can you recommend a woman for a panel? It's like, you know, there's a thing called Google. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> or go to dreamers and doers. Okay. You sure you like that to yeah, the organization right. that you started. It's true. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's interesting when we put this together because I didn't want to spend too much time talking about this, but to be blunt, I'm getting pissed off. So I think let's spend a little bit of time talking about it. I think it was the two drinks of wine I had before this, too. The bottle's empty, FYI. Um, that was Matt Harris from uh-huh. Bank Capital sure that did that. But it does tick me off. Actually, Gisha, I got ticked off because I didn't realize the second part of your story, that this wasn't an isolated event. I mean, I don't think... like. I don't think there's a female founder that hasn't had some incident. That's not the yeah. question. Like, have you had an, an incident or yeah. incidents? Oh, just some people go public. Yeah. And that's also the issue where, like, there's not a lot of options. Like, either you don't do anything or if you do something, it becomes this yeah. huge ordeal, right? So that's an issue, too. But, yeah, so it's more than one, but it should not be surprising. I was <laughs> I was surprised, Laura, because you were on Megyn Kelly on NBCBC mm-hmm. yeah. with, with a group of women talking yeah. about this. When, yeah. when um when this a couple months ago this became a yeah. uh, yet another big deal it, it cycles through with, yeah. with the media and everyone else but it was funny when Megan Kelly asked I think there were six or seven of you mm-hmm. women founders yeah. in there they said how many have been hit on and literally mm-hmm. 
Every hand went up. Yeah, it's actually not funny. It's not. Yeah, it's a conflict. The human race was like, oh. Yeah, but yeah. I think yeah. I think yeah. it is one of those you got to be like, yeah. oh come on, yeah. you know. And and yeah. no offense to to VCs, um, they look like me. So listeners, you don't know what I look like. I'm fifty. Um, I'm fifty. Uh, the hair is going. The every, everything's there. I guess I'm curious. And Laura, I'll ask you this because you raised your hand. I've never mm-hmm. heard you tell the story of yeah. it. But is it, why, is it just the culture itself? Is it the bro culture? Is it the power culture? Is this how Silicon Valley or Silicon Alley works? Yeah, I mean, I've my experiences have have it, particularly with fundraising have largely been in New York and not Silicon Valley. So it's certainly it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, well, yours was in Europe. You were in... Right. Where were yes. you at, Geisha? Um, I was at a conference in Berlin when that happened. And did I hear you right? You were interviewing for a CEO job? Yes. And that's I another love that part, part, by the way. <laughs> Jeez. It's hard. And I kept running into that person. I'm like, how can I run a company if it's okay to treat me that way? And I called him out on it and he like just shrugged his shoulders. Well, he actually... It took up forever for him to apologize, yes. right? First he said his Gmail got hacked. Yeah, it was my favorite. <laughs> my Gmail got hacked. Oh, the second happened. And I said, occasionally you still get emails from him, by the way. Or like on Christmas and they sent pictures <laughs> of his daughter. No. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's... Yeah. But like, that's gross. It's a little yeah. sociopathic. Yeah. That's yeah. a little bit narcissistic and yeah. kind of reminds me of someone who's maybe the president of the United States, not to get political. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think, I think it's been, you know, it's largely accepted. And I think one of the responses I've gotten from my experiences, which have not been particularly traumatizing, they're just sort of like everyday things. But the response sometimes is like, well, it's not a big deal, which I, in some ways I'm like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I wasn't traumatized and run home crying. But it happens to you all the time. It sucks. Is it really that? And I'm sorry. I mean, the guy in the room, is it really? Here, I'm pausing here because I'm thinking about that, the way I'm asking this question. Because reflecting on it, yeah, it is all the time. When I was doing Femtech Leaders, I was with a group of guys talking about the program. And they were like, yeah, we'd like to meet this one person. And it was Blythe Masters mm-hmm. um, who I was able to interview. And I'm like, I've interviewed her. And I pulled up my website to show them. And literally the comment was, Oh, I'd like to interview her. I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, I, yeah. the whole yeah. concept yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> just like a little censorship. Like, yeah, just maybe don't say what you're thinking. Maybe that's the title <laughs> of this this interview <laughs> yeah. cycle: is yeah. don't be. And there's everything that's like on the low end of the spectrum, right? Like yeah. commenting on someone's appearance when they're not in the room is one sort of innocuous, stupid question. Thing. Stupid but, question. Does it go? both ways or is this pretty much a really i certainly don't i mean i see very little of this kind of behavior from women no okay i again i'm but it's frequent that i'm in rooms of all women exactly you know (laughs) founders or executives or whatever i mean that doesn't happen that often i don't read too many instances of the abuse going the other way personally no there actually was a high profile one this year um in new york the founder of thinks that sort of got a lot of attention of course it would. That would grab but the story. Yeah. yeah. And the with, false equivalency. Of so that got a lot. And I, you know, I have no inside information, yeah. but it seemed crazy relative to what yeah. I like the way that you brace the story though, Laura, is that, yeah, you face this, you're not traumatized, but it's yeah, more annoying. Is it just a reoccurrence It's of annoying, this? but it's also, I think part of it is this context in which it happens. So it happens frequently enough that you sort of, it, 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 almost everything we're talking about is, ha- is happening in a power dynamic, right? We're not mm-hmm. talking about going on a Tinder date. We're talking about pitching an investor um, or interviewing for a role or whatever it is where there's this inherent power dynamic, whether you want to admit to that or not, um, because maybe there are circumstances where people can fall in love that way, but this is not what we're talking about. So I think there's, there's this, when it continues to happen, you start to feel like, well, shit, why was I here? Why was I being interviewed? Why was I pitching this guy? I thought it was because I had a credible business. Turns out and in one scenario for, for me, I'd had a long relationship with this person, not an intimate relationship at all, but like a long business really. We'd known each other for years and then something happened. And it just felt like, oh my God, was this like all sort of a ruse and you actually don't really give a shit about me. You had no intention of ever investing. Oh, that's a kick in the gut. And I continue to talk to you, but maybe for no reason. So Gisha, you were nodding like crazy when <laughs> she said that. So to prove I do research, you had a very interesting 
YouTube post where it was you and a friend of yours sitting, and it was around the. It was 2014, so I don't know if it was before or after this event. It was before. Uh, yeah, but here, here's the fascinating part for Jane and Laura because you haven't seen this. Geisha's sitting outside with a friend of hers, going, "I'm about to turn 30, and I'm questioning really everything about my career, and and what I'm doing, and and." the value, you know, and, and what my goals are and, and, and kids and everything as somebody who wants to be a founder. That was literally before this happened. I bet that was wonderful from a, a mental standpoint. Yeah. It was, it took quite a bit to recover, but I think a lot of this subtlety sometimes is, hard, at least for me, like subconsciously hard to not, like, to, I, I question myself and my ability sometimes just because of it. And it takes, like, three times as much effort as a woman to prove yourself. And... Um, and it's just a waste of time. Like if you're going in for all these interviews and people are not actually, they're calling you back in, even though they know it's a no, but they think you're attractive. <laughs> do, do you think that's true, Jane? Cause well, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, cause that's a, that's a, that's I a statement, right? Gish's there. point's amazing. It's not even just harder. You have to have like six tracks going. Like if you think of an old recording, you know, six track or eight track, like you've got a couple focused on business and then you have to think about your body language and signals and, you know, can I actually be myself? And I think what Laura's saying about when some when you actually trust someone and you are yourself around and then this shit happens then that's the that's actually the worst because you have to question your own judgment mind fuck it is yeah, it's okay fun. to curse yeah it is well, especially in this context go crazy because this is stupid yeah so so it's it's all that added so here's here's a mental a, load it's a giant mental load so all the time so i i continue to do research so laura mm-hmm. you wrote a medium post mm-hmm. a couple years ago where you said you like this, guys? I did research, and I remember it, even mm-hmm. though it's on that paper way over there. So, Laura, you wrote a Medium post mm-hmm. about this, about being a woman um, leader or founder in this. Mm-hmm. And you said one of the frustrating parts of this is is what you face, but that what you like in tech is the community of women um, and the community of tech founders who are women who are a – I'm trying to remember the word you used – are a minority. Mm-hmm. So – to compound on this, all three of you are white. Mm-hmm. What if this? What if you're a black female founder mm-hmm. or an Indian? Does it get even worse? Twenty times as hard. Yes, yes. absolutely. Really? We have pro- we have white privilege. Yeah, every day of the year. Yeah, and I'm from which like is funny because by the way, you were born family. in yeah. and you were born in Africa. But by the way, you have white privilege. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I'm half Asian, yeah. and people Still. don't see that I'm Asian. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very we're the, like the lucky ones, I think of of you know the of the female founders out there and there are plenty of women who can't you know find so much of it is around networks too so you have to go to the right schools you then have to meet the right people you have to meet mike dudas you have to you know like there's certain people you sort of have to attach yourself to just to be able to raise the first bit yeah first bit of money to get you going or to get your first customers or whatever was that the same when you first started jane I mean, I was a little different because I'd had, you know, a fairly high-profile career. And I'd yeah. been in the digital world since the mid-90s. So I knew people all over the world. I had a formidable network. You know, I'd been working with Silicon Valley types through ad tech for a long time. I'd been an advisor in ad tech companies. So I had done everything right in terms of having things set up. And I had a great base of investors who were friends first before I asked for money. Check, check, check. And it was still horrifically hard. Still, like, you know, I couldn't have done anything more with the added attention on the lack of funding around female founders. It can create an even bigger challenge because now investors want to be seen to be engaging mm-hmm. women. So here's the big long list. They've all done their homework. Here's the long list of all the women we've talked to. And yet, like, for example, Uber. City Ventures. Well, Uber's a good example. <laughs> you know, City Ventures is okay, but, but Uber's a no, good example. Okay. Right? They haven't funded a single female founder. How is that true? Are you serious? Because the head of City Ventures is uh, clearly doesn't matter. No, is it? No, that's head of innovation or head of head of yeah. Well, yeah, Yolanda Piazza, who's a great friend, and I love her. Heads up City FinTech, but I thought City Ventures was. City Ventures is a man whose name I'm forgetting. Oh wow! Seriously, I didn't realize that. I mean, I may be wrong, but I was just like hate clicking one day on the website. <laughs> hate clicking. I like that. It's just, just like, I mean, they've wasted yeah. so much of my time. And it's just like, if they ever find a woman, I wonder. Click, oh, click, click. Oh, that's, click. that's interesting. Yeah. And yet we'll get in chat all the time because they're friends to female founders. It's like, unless you're writing a wasting check, you're time. wasting my time. Yeah. It's just talk. So, so here's, so I'm curious on this. So all three of you are founders. 
Um, and Laura, you're successful. I don't care. Alloway's yeah, fine. Care. I love Alloway. I'll put that. Um, but all three of you are. So let's take a look at, we'll use two poster childs. All right. Let's use Uber right now. Right. So Uber was, Uber was a verb or still is mm-hmm. within, mm-hmm. you're right. To, yes, you know, yeah. You're the Uber of, as in how many pitch decks right now. And yet from an internal culture, from what we've seen, good God, right. What's going on there. Um, so all three of you, again, you, you, you run companies. How would you, what would you do to manage something like that? If you were on the board, because you are on the board, Jane, of how many companies? I don't know. I'm on the board of, I'm on the board of one public company now. I'm excited about So what but would you uh, do? Like, that is so deeply culturally broken, however. And, I mean, I, companies recover, and they can. Like, companies, by their very nature, are sociopathic. They exist just for profit and growth, right? That's a great so line. So if you think of that... That if you've got enough smart people around it, things can be bended. Like, you know, Tylenol killed people. Jack in the Box killed people. And yet they're still big brands today. Right? This is a depressing podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, wait, you started with you. <laughs> no, that's a good, but that is, that's a good point. Companies Do you find it interesting, up. the selection that Uber has? Because I actually kind of like it. The, the new CEO from Expedia, oh. Iranian I'm refugee. very cynical about the whole thing. They have so much damn money. They can do whatever they want. And I think money Well, they bleed buys, money too, by the way. Of course they bleed money, but money buys a degree of intellectual laziness where it's like, how can we really fix our culture? Oh, let's bring in Ariana. It's like she already has a company and a giant thing of her own. Like that's pure PR. And that sort of thing makes me a little nauseous. Now so, Ariana speaks for all women. Yeah. This is why Jane is a friend, and this is why I love this podcast, because <laughs> that's – that, that's an interesting take. I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's flip it. What about the Google Manifesto that came out? Mm-hmm. Did y'all love that? Loved it. Loved it. Unsurprising. Loved it. I mean, honestly, really? it barely even, I was like, yeah, there was nothing new in that. I think what was new was that it got primetime mm-hmm. attention. We've been hearing this for years and years and years. I was, I mean, I was not shocked someone wrote it. I was shocked that so many people felt that way apparently and and one of my friends who works at google and her partner who works at google is is relatively senior and had said that he's been hearing that same sentiment from young engineers for a long time which was surprising to him and really disappointing for him that it's you can't sort of assume it's going to age out right that it's like an old school thing that it's it's these 20 something year old guys 30 whatever who feel that way that that's so prevalent that shocked me and was like is heartbreaking well i mean look at the past political cycle i don't want to dive too much into politics but bluntly you know we have um a president who said what he said right i mean and i think it's it's okay to disrespect women yeah please understand i was at a young age going to be a pastor i'm very i i'm i'm i have a very spiritual religious background on that and yet from an evangelical side he's held to a yeah, he's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, how does that make any it makes no sense? sense? It makes no sense. Yeah. Does that frustrate you to see the results like that? I, or, I or, think, well, you know, I, are you surprised? Again, not surprised. Are you surprised by what happened, the election? I mean, I was shocked, to be honest. I did not expect him to get elected. Laura? Yeah, I was shocked he was elected. I didn't sleep for two nights. Mm-hmm. I well, was... see, I, I was that jerk because it had happened in Australia where this woman mm-hmm. was only at state-level politics and she was a laughing stock and really? she got elected because she had all of the airtime. And honestly, Trump mm-hmm. is the best thing to happen to media in yeah. 20 oh, that's years. That's true. I would right? agree with so that. So the media, they all pile in. He gets all of the airtime. Yeah. Like he sucked all the oxygen out of the election cycle. Yeah. It was, And I only because I'd seen it happen once before in Australia, it's like he can and will win. When you get this much attention, people are like, yes, no one's like, ah, he's never going to win. I was like, he can win. So, yeah. all right. So the... Depressing. No, no, no. Let's get past depressing. <laughs> and, and here's why. And I, I think it's so imperative. People have asked me personally, why did you do the Femtech Leader interview? Why were you doing that? And, and my response is consistent. I have three daughters and a granddaughter, right? And I don't want them to have to deal with this crap, yeah. right? I mean, they're not going to... I don't think any of them is going to get in this industry, by the way. My, my oldest is a, a hairdresser and, and is flipping phenomenal. My second oldest just graduated from nursing did school. Did you hair? Um, <laughs> no, I did a really cool barber, by the way, here in Soho, which is fantastic. I'm always going to be like, what did you do? Um, but, you know, every kid's different. All my daughter's different. Grandchild's different. And my son. 
I love what my daughter, my, my 15-year-old daughter says this all the time about my 12-year-old son. If he grows up to be a player or a bro, she's going to kill him. <laughs> I love that sentiment that she has. So for me, this is about the next generation coming up. Everything we should do should improve. So on that note, Geisha, coming out of your experience, the dreamers and doers thing that you started, I mean, that wasn't something you had in the back of your head, was it, before all this, or was it a result of that? It was. It, it happened by accident out of a personal need, but I was working on it already prior to um, the incident happening. But it incidents incidents the way, happening. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a lot of people thought I started it because of it. But I mean, it might have been somewhat related. But um, if you're a man or a woman, it's really hard starting a company from scratch. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, sometimes some of the issues you face are specific to you, <laughs> and it's hard to find other women like you. So very organically. Um, created a community around myself. It was never intended to be female-focused. It happened for those reasons. And it took a complete life of its own because there was such a big need for it. And then a year into it, was put in a position where I either had to go all in or dropped entirely and decided to go all in. And how many how many, um, how many, many folks do you have in the program right now? So we have, um, we have a few parts to it, but um, globally, um, over in the five digits, um, considerably over 10,000 in the wider community and... Um, and depending on other parts, it's like a few thousand. Um, and it's a whole concept of a support network? Yes. So we're changing the dynamic of how women succeed. Because we're so surprised when in traditional entrepreneurship and the workforce, we take women and we put them in a construct that has been male-dominated. And we're surprised if they don't succeed the same way men are. Right? And so what we're doing is, um, for example, it was Adam Grant and Shel Sandberg who said, women help more but benefit less. And we turn that into women help more and benefit much, much more. So specifically making the pie bigger for everyone involved, for one plus one can equal 100. So, Jane, you've been, you're a mentor. You have Laura sitting right next to you, throwing your name out. I consider you um, a mentor. I like reaching out to you for what you've been doing. Um, what kind of responsibility do you feel? Because here's what was interesting in the interviews I did on the FemTech leader side. I talked to some people that have been through this and a typical response, not typical, but at times the response was, and this was from women, I had to go through this. It's it's okay because you have to learn. It's it's, it's expected. I mean, how do you, because again, you've got a company, you're running this. How do you manage the expectation? Because I mean, obviously you just don't have female employees, right? You've got a mixed team. Yeah, okay. I have a very different life experience and a very different, I think, philosophy around leadership and management. I mean, I was very fortunate to be, you know, a visible minority for a very long time. You know, I worked in Asia for eight years and a very formative part of my career. And I also had the most amazing Chinese bosses who were all women. And they're Wait a minute. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Wait When was this? 97 to 2004. Talk about blowing away what people picture. Oh, yeah. No, From a Western is, standpoint. Oh, yeah. I mean, to have to have to be that, you know, be the minority and work hard and be, you know, a young manager and a young leader, like that was in itself a blessing. And then I had Chinese women bosses who were fearless. And for some reason, it was perfectly normal. There was a lot less stress around gender bias in the markets that I worked. So I was very fortunate to be just assume professional equality until I landed in New York and it was like going back to Victorian era. And I'm like, I'm in New York. I'm in the professional center of the world. What is going on? You know why I'm not surprised by that though? So um, do y'all know Elizabeth Rossilio from um, BitPesa? Yeah. I don't in, know her In Nairobi because yeah. you've spent time there. So mm-hmm. Elizabeth is, um, she either worked for Chase or something way smart, right? And she started a company in Nairobi. And I asked her what it was like being an American expat expat in Nairobi running a company as a woman. And she goes, I have a distinct advantage because I'm American and I'm a woman and they expect me to be rude. Mm -hmm. So I use it to my advantage. And I love that comment from her. She goes, I completely can take over and dominate in that environment because it's not the set Mm-hmm. culture so yeah. I'm curious from your standpoint yeah it wasn't a rudeness thing and I actually met up with one of my old bosses recently she's now head of creative studio at Facebook and she's amazing and you know I was, I was thanking her for you know much of her guidance that she'd given over the years and she's like well of course you know business is no nonsense and I was like yeah for you Kitty it's no nonsense <laughs> but here it's 
like all nonsense. (laughs) And that to be sort of trained in a very rational way and then have to incorporate all of these extra cues that didn't really come into play before. That's what I meant by like the eight track. It's, it's hard, but you know, going back to your question about leadership, I just, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of authentic leadership and occasionally it would get me fired and occasionally it would do really well by me. And I figure at the end of my life I can go to sleep at night. Yeah, that sums up everything in life, right? Be yourself and sometimes like it works out and sometimes not, but like I'd rather be judged for who I am than who I not am. Exactly. (laughs) And we like for someone I'm not and I wouldn't be hated for someone I am. It's also exhausting to to not be who you are. I mean to 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 be inauthentic at work or, or in your personal life, but to spend eight hours a day plus like not being who you are is really exhausting. I mean, this is a simple genius. You said this a couple of times. So if I'm looking at um, a bunch of young guys coming out with their MBA, is it as simple as quit being an asshole or just not quit being? That's, Honestly, that's, that's a harsh I'll statement. Tell, I'll tell you a different, different story. When I was in 11th grade, my English teacher said, Jane, I feel sorry for you. And I'm like, what? I'm great. Everybody did it. <laughs> he said, you have very high standards of yourself and of the world. And I was like, that is true. And he goes, but I teach in all boys' school and then all girls and all boys and all girls. And for 30 years, I've been teaching the gen- different genders. And he says, you're very different from your mother. And you are like an alien species to your grandmother in terms of your expectation of yourself oh, wow. and the world. However, the boys I teach are exactly the same as their fathers mm. and exactly the same as their grandfathers. <laughs> we can't wait until they're MBAs. This is like, it is systemic and it's deep and it's cultural and, you know, the boys having to feel, and I have two sons, so I'm, I yeah. feel this very deeply, for them to have a sense of respect and equality, that starts at home. And if it's being trained, you know, if the bad stuff's being handed down, it's not my job as a boss to fix it. I'm sorry, they just don't get hired. That's interesting. And, and it gets back to that video you did in 2014, again, prior to the event, because you were talking about making decisions to have kids. I think yeah. you, were, you were coming up on 30, yeah. right? And I remember you having that conversation about, I can be blunt, I don't know <laughs> another guy that I've worked with where the decision to have kids has impacted his career. Yep, no, no. In fact, it usually helps guys. They're now seen as more dependable and stable, not and single. stable, and they're going to work really hard for their family. Yes. And yet, I get would hear it over and over. You must miss your kids so much. Well, I've heard the flip side the when unanswerable inter- yeah. question. Well, I've heard the flip side on, on the interview side, right? Which is, you can't ask, "Are you planning to have kids?" But how do I get around to ask that question? Of it's irrelevant. Are you planning to have kids? Yeah, isn't it? It's irrelevant. I think mothers are way more. Discipline. But it's not, it's life stage, but you just have to be faster to get everything done. And so, and I'm not saying single people are not because I was also fast. Right, right, right. But I think it adds a dimension that is amazing. And it sucks that that's your, you actually upskill and then you get slaughtered on the uh, career opportunity. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So, again, I have four kids, right? So, I mean, I've been through this cycle and I'm trying to think you're all right the first time I had a kid I suddenly seemed more mature <laughs> I'm the least mature person <laughs> I've ever met <laughs> yeah um that's because I have gray in my hair but from maturity level it's not there so I'm 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 slightly depressed coming out of this because what I'm not hearing is it's getting better is it yeah you're kind of going back and forth is it it's on the table I think the transparency has gotten better. Yeah. Like I think the fact that the silver lining of Google Manifesto and Susan Fowler at Uber and your media like post Powell is that and, and well, Alan Powell is that yeah, people but, are finally speaking up and get it's getting shared for things that have been happening yeah. forever. But, but I don't know that the behavior has changed. Here's where here's where I'm hurt because I'm just looking at the past year, um, 500 startups with Dave McClure, and these are people that. And I don't know the and full background. Dave's a friend and an investor. Exactly, and I'm and I'm I'm friends with Mike Siegel. I think all of you are at 500 Startups, and I've 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 gone and listened to Dave speak. Um, Chris Saka mm-hmm. has gone through this, um, and I've he's traded tweets with me. Chris, come on my interview, my podcast. I talk to you, but I've traded interviews with him. Um, you know, some of the other we can we can keep listing these. Well, these are only the ones that go caught. That's the. That's the issue, because Laura, you said this, you face this 
This isn't new. And again, Gisha, coming into this, I had no clue there was more than one. I thought it was the one incident. <laughs> and you're la- everyone's laughing. <laughs> Drink the rest of that wine. Gisha is um, very beautiful. Um, I just, I'm she, laughing. She's going to over-index. I know, but I'm husband. laughing because I'm like, I thought it was the one. And you're like, oh, you're right on the back of that, you know. And then, you know, my fiance. And you're like, oh, my God. I didn't realize it was compounded to that. Level. So, so, but I do think um, it's getting better. I mean, when, when my story first came out... Um, 2014. Yes, 2014. Um, I, I think especially the most recent events, they had um, a really big impact because why does it still happen as diffusions? One is that people, some people truly think certain behavior is okay. Like the Google Manifesto... <laughs> I believe the person who wrote it, like, believed the things that he wrote. Oh, I do, too. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And, and I think and he's... Still does, and and, and still does. And And there's a portion at Google, and you talked about this, mm-hmm. Laura, that look at that and go, well, yeah. And yeah. we went through yeah. this with the election, right? Which was, yeah, I can wear, you know, throw the bitch in prison t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And that's that's the view. So one is, like, how people view the world. And the second part is get being able to get away with it. If they believe... Like, so if, if some people don't see an issue, but even if they do, like, there were no repercussions. Now there are repercussions, right? Like, people... Or the yeah. therapy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Uber, I mean, Travis is out. Yeah. I mean, who? if I would have told you that a year ago that this would happen and Travis would actually be worked out, would you have thought that was going to happen? No. Or, think, or 500 yeah. startups. Yeah, or I, I can people, keep doing it. People having to resign or being forced yeah. out is is a very serious repercussion which we haven't seen before i mean i don't know what happened in in your case but i but i i think that the- he's still active no so um part of the few weeks that followed i sent an email to five accelerators that he was a mentor at and um, a publication he wrote for anonymously and telling them one of their mentors is doing this i thought they'd want to know because i yeah. included it's included in the professional link only one person responded what? and um they said like oh, there's not much we can do but then when it became viral news and every single person publicly denounced him yeah isn't that amazing yeah. that reminds me so for example right now um when we're recording this is a hurricane irma going on in florida right mm-hmm. so Every single airline jacked their fees up to fly out of Florida until JetBlue capped it at 99. And then suddenly every airline is like, oh, my God, yes, (laughs) we're doing everything we can to help people. Kiss my ass, right? And I think it's the same with that, right? Until it becomes public. And if anything, I think that's the lesson I'm learning here. And you guys keep saying it. It's keep raising it up. You can't be scared to speak out. In some of these cases in the VC world, especially, and one of the women whose name I'm forgetting, who was on the Megyn Kelly show as well, um, and who was in the New York Times piece, had talked about contacting the LP of of the fund. Uh, No, no, it was was someone else. I can't can't, remember. Justin, it was the Justin Callback case. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, Right, so she reached out proactively to one of the LPs and was like, look, it was someone that she knew who did on her behalf. And it was it was a female partner, so she figured she's gonna appreciate this, and it was crickets. Yeah. And then once the story broke, then it was like, yeah. oh my god! I mean, so, you know, we had nothing to do. With I this. not quite understand, but I was like, like imagine you are that person, like, like it's really like it's in a nearly yeah. similar position as a woman coming out. There's like what you do, do, do like you're a troublemaker. It's it's tough. Yeah, not that. It's, was the right decision to not do anything, but yeah, like, no, and you're right, and, and and we've we have collectively made this women's responsibilities. Period. Yeah. It's, it's not the responsibility of the man who may have seen it happen, or the guy at the bar who kind of witnessed it. You know, it it's very clearly become women's responsibilities. So, so I'm besides besides Goldbeam, besides um, Alloy and Dreamers and Doers, who do you look at in the industry and go, they're doing something about this? Like Ellen Powell, right? Like Ellen um, there's a couple amazing. venture funds. Yeah. You know, and Ellen Powell's a divisive figure, yeah. right? There's she people that can't be, stand her. She shouldn't But be. she is. But, right, I mean, but that's like was, sexist. That's like Hillary was, Clinton being Exactly. Nice. She was cast <laughs> as, you know, she was typecast. The lawyers for, for Kleiner did a great job of making her seem like a yeah. total nut job. Yeah. I know people that can't stand her. Yeah. I know, I know personally, and she's one of the most incredible humans yeah. I've met. Oh. Without doubt. Yeah. Um, but I, do, I know people that look at her and go, well, the same with, we can talk about yeah. the presidential election, the same thing, yeah. which is, well, why wouldn't you vote? Oh, she's, She's also know. a very private person. Like, she's, and then she, she just she just came up with certain excerpts uh, excerpts in the book, book that she could have probably released earlier and, like, bashed other people, and she yeah. didn't. Like, she's one of the, she's one of the highest integrity um, person, people that I know. Yeah, I think there was a lot of fanfare around her personal life and her marriage and, you know, it... <laughs> It was being litigated, which yeah. is kind of nuts. Awful. Yeah. Well, so so here's 
here's what I would say. And I, I, I think here's, here's my two cents and you guys tell me if I'm nuts. Everything I look at when it comes to business, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to this, I look at it, the individual, the individual, right? Um, it'd be wonderful if you could, if you could I hate using the term whitewash because that doesn't apply. That's a bad term. But if you could, if you could basically take everything off of the resume except the accomplishments, right? The mm-hmm. school, the job, and everything else, and you got rid of gender, race, um, um, sexual orientation. Age. Take your pick, age. Oh God, I turned fifty. Trust me, the age thing, I'm getting now. Um, but if you took all that off, that clean sheet would be wonderful. But if that's not that's reality. Not, that's not. I mean, that's also not reality. And I mean, I was talking about this with a, an investor the other day who's just started a female focus fund, and it was. There are many people like me, and I mean, Laura was smart to have a. a male co-founder white male, white male co-founder to fundraise with her because like even the ones that do survive we're held not just to the same measures we still have to overperform at like i built out Goldbean at i'm gonna say a tenth of the cost of other fintech platforms i get like zero credit for it and then you get to the same performance benchmarks well why aren't you bigger it's like because we live on fumes and the air and it's like that is the torture and going back to your resume it doesn't show the hustle that we had to do yeah, that's true move countries like take way bigger risks than our contemporaries ever had to take to get to the same place and yes you could take off our gender and take off our age and it would read as a privileged thing but it is not remotely representative of the grit and the hustle there's two founders and i wish i had this story in front of me who made up the male founder yeah. Yeah. i love Witchy. that yeah. is one of the funniest damn stories i've ever it's read depressing but it is funny as hell yeah. that they made it. I can't remember the name they gave them. I read that and I'm like, oh my God, yeah. that doesn't sum up the yeah. nonsense that yeah, we it's live very, through. It's very different. Yeah. And your name and your appearance is basically everything with mm-hmm. at least the initial interactions with plenty of investors and others. Yeah. And I mean, even just to say, you know, I've run $100 million businesses and I've had teams in 43 countries. And I get this like nice nodding as if I'd said I'd just been on vacation. So that's nice. Have you? Have also, you, guarantee no one ever got, has no looked at you and thought that. Like, no, no one has ever been no, like, oh, I, she's going to really, pre-. they're going to think she was, you know. Get another rando off the street. Not, you know what, though? I do, yeah. that I kind of get because I do get people that come to me and they're like, oh, wow, you're super qualified. And I'm like, oh, God, no, I'm not. Have you looked at what I've done? You're holding <laughs> me to a standard that I should not be held at. Honest to God, no, no, no. Yeah, because I survived and I'm this agent in the industry. Have you seen the cartoon where it's a table of all men in suits, all white guys in suits, and there's a one woman sitting there? And they say, what can you bring different to this company? Yes, and people are looking bored. Yeah, they're like, and then what difference are you going to bring to our organization? You're like, oh, my God. That one. And one thing I like saying is like every female founder I know is like always like incredibly ambitious. And now we live in a world where our gender happens to make us an underdog. But if it wasn't our gender, we'd find something else that would, like we'd, we'd want to solve problems that are um, worth solving and hard. So it happens to be one of the things in our generation that we will solve. Maybe not entirely in this generation, but. Well, you got some kids, mm-hmm. right? So how do you. I'm curious. How, how do you communicate this? I just let my daughters do it. They're, they'll well, beat up Eli to no end if he hoses up. They've I mean, threatened his life. We just have to model and be very clear around what's acceptable. And it's amazing. I mean, they've seen it. They've seen a business being built under their own nose. You know, for the first probably four years of their lives, I was traveling constantly. So yeah. it's like, a, you know, they've seen the reality of, I mean, I think my son at one stage said, is there any families where the dad goes to work and the mom stays home? <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Like, I think that's been known to happen. Really? Like their normal was flipped that's in cool. the younger years. And it's, uh, you know, there's more and more. I mean, they're very privileged because I live in downtown Manhattan. They have access to all sorts of amazing people. So, like, again, this isn't the problem. They're going to be just fine. It's the, you know, the much wider impact in a Trump-enabled world. What happens then? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's going to take... <laughs> we, we, we're joking around about the Trump and the world, but that's a, a good statement, right? We can do the same. You go over to Europe and some of the other countries that I travel to also. It, it takes a community, right? It takes yeah. everyone. It takes a village. You're welcome, Hillary Clinton. But it's a good line, and I agree, right? Yeah. It takes a community, and it takes the idea of being transparent and standing up and finding people to, to look up to. So dreamers and doers, Geisha, 
everybody will have links. Look at it. Watch some of the videos. Uh, um, for an introvert, extrovert, which I actually don't think exists, by the way. I think you need to do that Myers-Briggs again. Um, there's some great content out there and worth looking at. Goldbean, good God. Right. Watch MSNBC. Watch CNN. Watch anybody because Jane's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic company. And, and Laura. Yes. Alloy. Alloy. The next big Talk one. Right. Yeah. We just got Fern. Matt Harris going to give you a whole bunch of money in the previous podcast. Yeah, man, right. Yeah. yeah. Life's good. Bane's going to take Maybe care of you. Yeah. It'll be perfect. Yeah. All three follow. I, well, here's what I'll tell everybody. Just pay attention. Right. And don't That's assume. Yeah, ask the good questions and don't assume and, and be careful on the judging side because you never know the entire story. I did days worth of research and Keisha, within the first minute, you already blew out everything. I ignored my paper where I had all my facts written down because they were all wrong, which is slightly depressing. So I'm going to invite my daughters up to New York. Y'all are going to mentor them and life's going to be great. And my son. And your son. That worked for everybody. That's right. And his friends. And his yeah, friends. Because they had the bigger impact, unfortunately. Yeah, they are. Yeah. The one, last thing I want to add, like, so easily in the media, we, we highlight all the men that have done not good things, yeah. for lack of a better word, but it's also important to highlight the men that are yeah. awesome and supporters. So I want to give you a shout out. Yeah, I know. Yay, <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I've actually had more men overall support me than they hold me back. So yeah, they really are. They're, they're, yeah. it's, unfortunately, just like in politics and in American life right now, the extremes tend to make the most noise. Yeah. And it's a royal pain in the ass, but they also yeah. make the most damage. No, it's true. I was thinking about when I was thinking of like solutions for sort of this generic, you know, sexism and tech for women problem. I was thinking about the, the people who have been the biggest help for me have, if I just by the numbers have been men and right, that's probably, it's not reflective of personalities yeah. it's just yeah. the number the sheer numbers so men are going to play the most critical role as sort of the the numbers exist today in helping women entrepreneurs or whatever women in tech companies succeed i mean that's it's if they don't do it then like we're completely screwed because there just aren't enough women to sort of tip the scales right now so pay attention get involved yeah if you're a man in a tech listen. company if you're a founder of a vc you got to Take the meetings, but also for the love of God, write the checks. You gotta hire women. You gotta, you know, it's not enough to just sort of like say you're gonna give a donation to Girls Who Code or whatever. You have to do a a lot more. Excellent. Well, all three of you, get on your bike, Jane. Go see your kids. That's fantastic. (laughs) All of you, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. This show is crafted for you by the folks at Eleven FS. We're building banks for the future. Find out more at 11FS.com. If we hooked you with this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Every star helps. Today's episode was edited by Michael Bailey and produced by Laura Watkins, Ollie Judge, and myself. I'm Sam Mall, and this has been Connection Interrupted. Thanks for listening.